I'll get him ready. Good evening, good evening. Since the Wildcat is ready, let's get right into another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, let's get into it. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doc, now. are you okay? I know you're a Cowboys fan, Doc. I just want you to know, I'm asking, are you, are, have you recovered from today's loss? I don't know if you ever recover from them loss of, of that magnitude after the Cowboys had been buried and it looks like they were finally going to take a step in the right direction. Two weeks right in a row. Create a championship level team and if we could celebrate a Super Bowl, but it was not to be. I think the call was the right call. I mean, even, I mean, by the rule that's on the book. And that, I'll take that open. Okay, then. The right call. We'll all go with I that. I think, uh, like most people that look at it, it's a bad rule. And when you look at it, and even when I remember, I remember the Calvin Johnson, when everybody started saying it was the Calvin Johnson rule, I remember distinctly when Calvin Johnson made the catch. I thought the very same thing there. I was like, that's a catch. That's a touchdown. So, obviously, not on the rules committee, not a referee. But I think it's interesting when we look at it from a business perspective. While the NFL loves the fact that the games are close and that um, any game can win, which brings more people to the television set, the problem when you create that, it means that there's more opportunities for controversial calls, which this is going to be the second week in a row where instead of people talking about your gladiator on the field and next week's big games, we know the talk of the media is going to be about the catch and the rules and, and all the controversy that goes with it. You know, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it, as I was coming over here, I was listening. That dominated the talk show then. And they weren't talking about that Luck is having a big game and he may uh, almost close the career. Uh, of Peyton Manning, Father Time is undefeated. Catch, yeah, catches up with everybody. So hey, it looks like he might make that step and who knows where that's going. Because it looks like over the last two weeks that Peyton is just not playing like himself. And many of us are going to obviously think that's part of the injury. Is it something that he can rehabilitate over the offseason or not? Well, it, but instead of people focusing on that next chapter, uh-huh. the big game with Brady, uh, New England playing in their championship four straight years, those are going to be subplots. But the talk that's going to dominate conversation uh, is going to be what – People talking about whether this is a catch or not catch, whether they agree with the rule or don't agree with the rule all week long. Let me let me read the rule. Go ahead. Rule 8, Section 1, Article 3, Item 1 reads, quote, if a player goes to the ground in the act of catching a pass with or without contact by an opponent, he must maintain control of the ball throughout the process of contacting the ground, whether in the field of play or the end zone. If he loses control of the ball and the ball touches the ground before he regains control, the pass is incomplete. If he regains control prior to the ball touching the ground, the pass is complete, end quote. Right. So, so was it a catch, tuck? Uh, no, I think the, at the end of the day, the, the rule is still for interpretation. Because when you look at the catch, the question becomes, just like you look at the other catches when they talk about you can, if you have your hands around the ball and the ball goes to the ground, that you can use the ground to brace the ball and still be a catch. So when you look at the ball, there's a point where he has his hands on the ball 
moving to the ground. The ball seems to talk, touch part of the ground. And then in his rollover is when he loses control of the go. ball. The ball comes up in the air. It goes back in his hand. So at that point, when you look at it, the ball never touches the ground. So, again, it's it's still humanized by the fact that it's part interpretation. So one referee could look at that and believe that the rule fits and that didn't count and somebody else can look at it and believe it does. For example, the guy that was looking at it from field felt that he caught the ball. That's why he called it a reception. From review, what was interesting to me is that I don't know how the rules to me is supposed to state that you have to have clear evidence to overturn it. I don't see how you had clear evidence that the rule uh, was took precedent in terms of what you saw on the field. And it's interesting because when you get into those um, huddles, um, there's always a question of what was your angle? What did you see? Help me out. And usually when it's, there's a huddle, there's always well, they didn't have a huddle. They called the catch. The dude was deep down the sideline on going in the two rollers. This on the one. Really, I'm talking about as far as the official. No, but that's what I'm saying. They didn't. All okay. They, they then, immediately went to oh, boom. And and that, look, that's kind of quick. Look, that's kind of quick. Re, re, review. And the reason was, in fact, no, they actually didn't. I take it back. He made the catch. They were about to line up. And what even made them go to the view is it was challenge. The coach made a challenge. Yeah. So it wasn't that the refs reviewed it. They wow. were all comfortable with the call. No, it was the challenge that forced the review, which was a brilliant challenge uh, because you don't lose anything. In fact, in this case, you literally just about win the game. Game, yep. And what makes this even more dynamic is the fact that it happened to be on fourth down. So, like last week when you had that call, it was third down. Right. And so you what? had some options to yeah. play off of it. But this literally was the call was so big that it made a difference between you likely having a touchdown three minutes left and Green Bay having to go for a win versus you now having to stop Green Bay to get the ball back and still making some points. Interesting. Just interesting. So it was it was huge. But which is the fact as we say now. I mean we're usually going into football I mean we're usually going into basketball talk. And we may have the most kind of talked about, you know, what we thought about the AFC and NFC championship game. But we're taking time on our podcast to discuss a rules, a rules, rules situation. That's, and that's, if, if you're the NFL, that's not what you want. True. But like you said earlier, and it goes back to that, the NFL got exactly what they wanted. They got everybody standing in front of the TV until the game was completely over. Right. And, that, and at the end of the day, that's, that's the key. You held everybody's interest. Right. And you sold some commercials. Correct. And now they tell me commercials are really going high these days. Yeah, it's going well. The business is well. The business is healthy outside of uh, the issues they had at the beginning of the year. They're trying to allow that to slowly slip away. Another thing uh, that I'll bring in because it ties, and ties in, as we talked about before the show and the reason we couldn't do a podcast as early as we want, I took the trip to Austin uh, on the campus of the University of Texas at AMRI, as they talk about it, which is the African American Minority Research Institute. They were putting together uh, the Black Student Athlete Conference, Challenges and Opportunities. It was held at the AT&T Executive Education and Conference Center. Very nice. And um, 
a lot of luminaries were there in terms of what was taking place. Maurice Clarek had a session. Ricky Williams had a session. Congratulations him for going into the College Hall of Fame. Uh, some of the luminaries leadership of this team was Leonard Moore, Ph.D., um, James Brown, Ph.D., Lewis Harrison, Ph.D., and Darren Kelly, Ph.D., uh, in terms of Kelly is a fraternity brother of mine. I'll put that out there. As well as um, Dr. Vincent, Gregory Vincent, Ph.D., their alpha man as well, were in charge of putting this together. They had Darren Robbins that came out with that new leadership institute that people were talking about. Yeah. He was there. Uh, in terms of some of the leaders getting it done. Uh, but ultimately, the guest speaker was legendary Harry Edwards. Hammers! <laughs> and he did a stunning speech in terms of what was taking place. And he really uh, brought it in regards to that program. So a lot of dynamics were going on there in terms of that conference, so I was excited about being a part of it, and it was interesting when you look at some of the psychosocial dynamics of student-athletes in general, but particularly African-American athletes. Speaking of, and, I, and then we can move on from this, um, the announcement of the this year's College Football Hall of Fame inductees were Brian Bosworth, Bob Brunick, Tom Gatewood, coaches Bill Snyder, and Jim Trussell, along with ACC linebacker David Hilton from Duke, were honored on the biggest night for college football, which is their Hall of Fame. Um, David Hilton was the 25th recipient of the William V. Campbell Trophy. It, it, is, it is to be recognized on the field between the first and second quarters of the title game on tomorrow night. Hilton was an academic All-American and All-ACC linebacker from Duke University, a master 3.64 GPA and route to becoming the 2015 recipient of the trophy as a college football's top scholar athlete. How apropos. Yeah, that's nice to bring that to the table. I mean, uh, definitely love to celebrate scholars and get it done. Uh, one other thing I did want to add before we kind of change guards is about the commentary of Harry Edwards that ties in the NFL. As I told him that everything is really being a plus except, except for what took place. And part of his dynamic speech, really the heart of it, was talking about uh, the lack of concern of women and girls, uh, particularly with regards to domestic violence. And in the center of his speech, to kind of draw home uh, his issue, he talked about this. NFL commercial was out there. Oh, that one. And he said, even the big NFL, um, they have this commercial out there. Instead of us talking about it, they have this commercial where you have these athletes and women up there talking about, <sighs> <sighs> he said, talking about, it's so hard, we, help me stop. <laughs> I know, it's a horrible commercial. But, I don't, it, it, it's, it, oh, man. It's sad the way they put that commercial together, but somebody accepted it. Somebody brought the idea. Oh, somebody thought it, somebody it, thought it was brilliant. Somebody <laughs> loved it, and they got it paid for because that's a paid for. That's a uh, one of those paid for commercials, and the entire <clears throat> excuse me, and the entire list uh, consists of Trevor Albert from uh, Nebraska. Oh yeah, Trevor. Uh, Sean Brewer from Millsaps, Mississippi. Um, Reuben Brown, Pittsburgh, 
West Chandler of Florida, Tom Gatewood, North Carolina, Dick Joran from Yale, Clinton, Jerron, I'm sorry, Clinton Jones from Michigan State, Lincoln Kennedy from Washington, the late Rob Lotto from Michigan, Michael Payton from Marshall, Art Steele from Kentucky, Zach Thomas from Texas Tech, and last but not least, Ricky Williams, Texas. It was an interesting, well, it will be an interesting uh, uh, night on tomorrow night because now that we actually, and we segue in all to the next commercial, tomorrow will be an actual crowning of a national championship played in a playoff format. And how ironic that the two teams playing tomorrow would have been scheduled for a Rose Bowl connection and the two teams that are out would have been scheduled for the national championship game in the old system. Doc, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the biggest thing about this, that the oddity is that if you kept with the old system, you're exactly right. There's no way you couldn't have told me that an undefeated Florida State team would not have been playing them. Powerhouse SEC Alabama team for the national championship, based on the votes and the computer rankings, which would have it might it might happen because the Noles were losing steam toward the end there. So, it, but but I'm being undefeated now. No, no, they're being undefeated teams that have played for the national championship before, but not a team that won the championship the following year. You know, previous year, you know, Penn State's had happened like four or five times. They've been undefeated and then played for the national championship. So, yeah, you know, but it never know. happened after they won the championship the previous year. You're not going to keep out a yeah. championship team. It, everybody, because even the, the, the naysayers and I would have said, would have said, it'd have been hard for you to just keep them out. It just because yeah. it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have looked right. No, there been there are plenty of folks even when the final four was announced who felt that TCU or Baylor was better than Florida State. I don't disagree, but I'm saying, so, you know, we're I'm saying, saying. We're, you're saying that you, but you're going back to the current system. I'm saying in the old system, which was a small part of the votes, but the rest of it was the computer rankings. But, but I'm, no, I mean, even in that, some of the computer rankings had the Noles ranked very low as, as an undefeated team because of the string of schedule they played, how they played, because, you know, some of the computer algorithms based on performance in game, et cetera. So some of those computers, depending on, the polls you use had the nose rang low. Right. But I'm saying once all that was added to, together, you're talking about individual. I'm saying once they were added together, I I believe it hard for me to believe personally. Me too. That Florida State would have yeah. been left out of a championship. I would I would be the I, I'm be honest team with you. that won the team. I would have bet previously. a a I would serious a, a serious Dinner. But the thing uh, is, we'll uh, never uh, know, so that makes yeah, it yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I'm glad. Uh, now, now, one thing. But in we, this we, way, you at least know. You, you at least know. You know teams had to play. Had, teams had to but play I'm, to still on, I'm still on the course that the players should be played uh, while everybody's excited and oh, celebrating. Yeah. This, this game place. is going out, added, out of the way. Another, you've added another game, and the players really don't get any true discourse. I think they got uh, going to add it financially. They get another $400, $500. Um, in terms of going to be able to get some toys. For reaching and, the uh, championship game, $415. Yeah. Right. And then if they win, I think they get another $415 or something like that in terms of uh, being able to pick some toys that are donated from Speaking the of prize box. How so, I, let me Go ahead. Go ahead. I got to kind of make sure that that hits home because people kind of knock over that. Oh, that you are economically, financially doing really well, but these players are not getting any financial reward of that. I think that's a shame. And 
how the, the another ironic situation that arose earlier this past week, NC2A approved of parental uh, uh, family travel to the second game. To a certain, I don't, I don't know what to the, uh, the to the money amount. But I'm glad you asked that, Wildcat. I know you was money. looking at. I, I, I got eight fifty. The NCA, the pilot program, they announced. Is it an individual or a group? I mean, and, as far as everybody in the family. And uh, it is. I'll just read the press release. Okay. This was announced on the sixth. The NCA will cover expenses for players, families to travel, and see. This is my area, but it also ties into the football. To cover players' families to travel to the men's and women's Final Fours this spring under the pilot program announced Tuesday, but it also applies to the college football playoff to assist with expenses for family travel to the championship game in Arlington. The NCAA will pay up to $3,000 total in travel, hotel, and meal expenses for family members of each student-athlete who competes in the Final Four semifinal games but don't advance to the championships, the NCAA will pay up to $4,000 in expenses for each of the student-athletes who compete in the men's and women's basketball championships games. The college football playoff may provide up to $3,000 in travel expenses for families of each competing student-athlete. Quote, I'm sure you love this quote from Mr. Emmert, president of the NCAA, championship experiences like the Final Four create memories of a lifetime for student-athletes. And we want to make sure their families are there to support and celebrate with them. From multi-year scholarships to opportunities to return to school and complete their degree on scholarship, we have been dedicated to further improving the student-athlete experience since our presidential retreat in August 2011. Providing travel expenses for student-athletes' families is another example of this progress. End quote. Now, now, don't you feel all warm and fuzzy by that boy? I'm going to ask this question. <laughs> this is another ironic situation. We're doing a lot of ironics today. You get, in addition to the uh, executive staff, Oliver Luck, and now a couple of weeks later, we get these changes. Is that new mindset? Uh, are we headed down the no, road? No, that was in the works for, for a while. Now, my, okay, now this comes to, to my question. Was this to placate some situations? Sure. To not further along uh, an uprising, or what? It's, it's all, uh, you know, it's definitely placating. placating. But they still lost the lawsuits, and they still have to pay yeah. for those legal fees and everything that they lost that the judge rules on, and which will be determined later on this year. The that, financial ramifications will be felt. I'm, I'm in line with Chris uh, in regards to this. That. This is definitely this is a PR move. What this is placating, and at the largest level, I was going to say that, that this is for public relations, particularly for individuals like myself that keep hammering about players getting played. Yeah, they're hoping that this will appease me a little bit. I, I was at the conference, a couple of professors up there that uh, actually went to the congressional hearing and testified. Uh -huh. Friends with one of those guys. He's over the CSRI, College Sports Research Institute. Uh -huh. I'll present there later this year as well, um, which is in University of South Carolina. And so you got to remember, they lost that lawsuit. There's still several lawsuits pending. So this is a way to try to get ahead of the other lawsuits. If we continue to do things, they're hoping that they can make the case. See, 
This is about the kids. This is about education. We are doing things that we should. We're doing even more as we said we would. So this is not only a PR move, it's also a strategic uh, litigation move to try to head off some of the litigation that's coming at them in regards to people no longer believing this is an economic engine. And plus, let's be front with it. ESPN signed a multi-billion dollar deal with the colleges, so the financial money is there. And that's what we've always been arguing, that they had the financial money. But now, as the money continues to get bigger, it's much more difficult for them to continue to stay where they were. So this is the move to try to shift it in a direction where people will say, well, see, they are doing some things. And those people that were maybe on the fence, it might move them the other way. Our hardliners like myself are, are not fooled by this, and we're just saying, that good, this should have been happening a long time ago, but this is not going to stop our framework that what I refer to as college athletes that are participating in the highest level with the Power Five, that is a significant economic engine to the billion-dollar component, should be paid. They should have remuneration now. And I refer to them as either athlete students or semi-pro, depending on the sport. College football, Division One, they are semi-pro. Now, it, it's, and this is my only chafeness about all of this. About all this, if you, if if the governing body wants to refer to them as student athletes, don't bring a name tag. Bring one for the coach. Everybody else, that's, all the other kids that are sitting up at the table, put student athlete on it because rather than because every time you spout. Student athlete from out of the moderator who's in charge of the post game interviews at the at, at post uh, uh, postseason play. If you want a student athlete, just put on that student athlete. Don't put the student's name because I'm gonna call you out by your name. I can understand that. It, it, definitely it, it, respect it. it. But, but the student athlete in the terminology came from Walter Byers, and he testified this. He came out with a book that talked about the only reason we found out later. As we started digging in, the money got bigger, and many people got more frustrated about what they saw were egregious errors, and rightfully so. Now people are just talking about out-and-out lies. But the terminology itself, Walter Byers came out and said itself, the terminology was created for the very purpose to use in litigation such that the NCA wouldn't lose. So that's why I no longer use it. Now, I understand your platform from a PR covering yep. standpoint. Yep. But that Don't. just placates the uses of what they're trying to use, so I refrain from using it as much as possible altogether, just like I no longer use the mascot for Washington. I just see it as incorrect. Uh, I always thought it was odd. As I've become more educated and read more, the more that I see is not only odd, it's wrong, and I have the choice to make a stand by doing what I do, and I, I will always make a stance whenever I had an opportunity. I got you. It works for me. Now let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor, THG Agency. 
Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership, and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business, or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership, and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistic solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thanks once again to THG Agency for sponsoring our podcast. On the field, who's winning tomorrow? Who's winning Monday? Excuse me. Oregon or Ohio State? Speed, speed, no speed, most speed, most speed. Especially with Oregon and their puff, puff problems. Yeah, I think there's some issues. I don't think there's going to be a problem. I think there's some issues with the cornerback. I think Oregon is taking on some issues with the athletes. One of them was just a pure injury. I think that's going to come back to Holland yeah, in one of these games. He had one of the best players, particularly on the defensive side, yeah. the cornerback. He's out with the injury. Uh, you lost your wide receiver. And I think uh, he's played that played well. I th- and I, I don't think at any level can you lose that type of level of talent at some point. It doesn't hurt you. And so for that reason, I think Ohio State, uh, with the coach that's been there before, very talented, I okay. think they're going to find a way to get it done. And I, that, that may be true, but I'm still going with speed, speed, most speed. And all the reason I'm saying that is because the amount of offensive plays that they put together on a regular basis, day in and day out, game in and game out, at some point that's going to be a drop in shoulders. You know, you can have a lot of depth, but if you can't get them on the field, you still get just got a lot of depth. I agree, but I think the the key component within the game that works for Oregon in terms of the speed is they're going to have to make sure that they can score outside of that 20. Um, they have had several games where they move the ball yeah. with that speed, yeah. but ultimately – when they get in some trouble is when the field shrinks down, and that's when they get in the 20. Even in the Florida State game, yeah, early, they didn't necessarily put up the points they wanted, and they kept Florida State in the game until that massive turnover uh, changed right. the game. It wasn't necessarily the fact that the, the speed took place. It was more about the egregious turnover. And then it came into and a wave took, like took, situation. Yeah, they took advantage of it. But even with Arizona when they lost early the year. So I think you're right. Speed does a lot for you, but – it's not just about the fact that they run so many plays. It's the advantage of the big plays they are able to get off of those runs. And I think the Ohio State defense is going to understand that. They're going to move the ball, but I think the question that you're going to have is going to be the deciding factor whether that speed plays off is can they score uh, if they get caught up within those 20 in the scoring zone where the field starts to shrink up, where the, the amount of plays that you run uh, just really doesn't help you. And I think that I'm looking at this point of the game tomorrow night. Last three minutes of the third quarter, first four to four. Only because that's when that, that's when it starts to catch up with you. Right. That you just, I'm going to ask you this other question. Go ahead. Can Oregon stop the running game of Ohio State? Because you can run all those plays. You can only run all those plays when you're on the field. Yeah, right. If you're not on the sideline, it doesn't matter how many plays you can run because you can't run them. You're not on the field. The big 
part of it. That's a smaller type line. And when Arizona they're beat them, very that's what effective. they did. Yes, exactly. That, that, they that, were running the ball and kept on the field. And, that, and, and, and I think that's, that's the And Dalvin Cook for Florida State ran over yes. Oregon a lot. They fumbled the ball five times, turned yes. over five times, but he had 100-plus yards. He had two of them himself. <laughs> and they were off big runs and holes. They weren't that he fumbled the ball. I think the Nose had two running backs run yeah. for 100 yards yeah. in the game right. against Oregon. And I'm st- I'm still going to stay with, with Oregon, though. Well, that's fine, and I, I and I think I think Oregon can win this game. But when you came out saying it was based on the speed, yeah, that kind of concerned me because I don't know if that's really going to play out like that. I think if they they do it, it's not going to be because of necessarily how much speed it is. It's going to be able to because they're going to be able to control not just the tempo, but they're going to make plays uh, that doesn't allow Ohio State to get on the field. And I said now Ohio State situation, and I'm looking at it differently. I'm looking for them to make big plays, only because you still nobody. They you've only got what two two games uh, of game tape on uh, on the quarterback, uh, yeah. Cardell Jones. Yeah, the uh, Big Ten championship game. Right, the and the, the, big, the, the, the Wisconsin game. I think it had more to do with the defense being able to just just pound their way against Wisconsin and just shut them out, just just shut them down. And then Cardell just just being allowed to, you know, get comfortable and just run and run plays and all that and, and get some things done and 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 just move the team around, especially in the second half, fourth quarter. It was yep. pretty much like it looked like yep. he had been back there. Because I remember season. a lot of people talking about on Twitter. One of the comments you had with Ohio State, they just talked about how slow Alabama was. Dude. Ohio State has a little speed to sell. Yeah, yeah, that team is built up more, not so much like his Florida team, but his team in Utah. That's interesting. I think it's kind of a hybrid. Now that you bring it up, I agree. And the with only that. reason I, I think say it's a hybrid between that Utah and that because Florida team. at Florida you I had access to all of that speed yeah. and size, and you yeah. was building, you were putting a team together yeah. that everybody understood yeah. they playing in the SEC. So yeah. this is what you got to do yeah. to be successful. At Utah, it was about making a creating matchups that were favorable yeah. for you that you. took advantage no, on, on, of you yeah. talking about the speed. But I think in Ohio State, he did a little bit of both. I mean, you talking about Ohio now. Let's not get it twisted. Ohio, Ohio has a lot of talent. They, and they, the brand of Ohio State will allow you to recruit nationally. In fact, the second quarterback, as you talked about when everybody was sleeping, was going to play, <laughs> he was the state of Texas. He was the second best quarterback. And, you know, and, and people, so they have players from all over the country that, that has it. And that's why I said I think uh, your comment actually matches up from the state. That I think it is really a hybrid of what happened in Utah and in Florida where he gotten some speed, particularly at – Key positions. Yep. He's got some talent, uh, and then he's uh, got some size he some up front. Big, got some size up front, and so he's doing a little hybrid where he's taking advantage of both speed, talent, and size, along with creating matchups, uh, which he's very good at doing, as we see over his career. And of course, more importantly, yeah, come o- on with Ohio it. State, your coach, offense coordinator. Thank you, sir. Your coach, Tom Herman. The Houston Cougar head coach is coaching the NAT championship game. So, yes, of course. You know, he's juggling two jobs, but he's getting that done, baby. He's, he's he got, doing he a good job. He's on that. He put the staff Such together. as who? He hired, let's see, he got half white, and he hired the one person that I was Stop. very happy to see. Excuse me. Excuse you know? me. Excuse me. You know, he I, put don't, the, I he, don't. He put the staff typically together. You glow not. over Longhorns, but certain Longhorns, such as Major Applewhite. Yeah, that's who, a nice move. Their accomplishments warrant it. <laughs> deserves a moment of discussion, sir. You just run all over Major Applewhite's <laughs> hire to the staff. 
Wait a minute now. Hold up. I know you a cougar, but dog it. He's had, when you say talk about Apple White, I think it's significant when you start looking at his experience. Sometimes you get caught up with people with names. Yeah. And oftentimes they get in positions. And you forget where they've been. I mean, talking about in between. No, it's not that accomplishments. Yeah, sometimes you just look at it and say, oh, that's a name. But when you really start to look at what he has been able to put in his resume, you say it's warranted. The fact that, you know, he was offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, I think it was, at Alabama. Yep. Under Nick Saban. Many people obviously know his background. Mac Brown in yep. regards to what he's been able to do. He was he offensive. He was a quarterback coach and, and offensive coordinator, coordinator at Rice. So he's put some time in. He's seen a lot of different schematics. Um, so he has a chance, not to mention, obviously, that he was at Ohio State helping with the quarterback, too. Yep. So he's seen yep. big-time programs, find a way to get it done. So the only question I would have is the fact that would he be able to utilize all that knowledge in a program that is moving up in regards to not maybe being the same brand level of what he was able to recruit? Well, that's, uh, I'm a, I'm Can a, he take advantage of what I'm, he's learning? I'm, 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 I'm going to reference it this way. When he, came, when he got to Rice, he didn't have a whole lot of experience, but it was allowed to grow and it makes, it have some input. Most young coaches coming in, moving from a GA to a, a coach's position, don't have a lot. Of, like, no, mine, mine is not about his talent. I think he has that. I, I, I bypassed that. I think he's okay. put in All the right group. Then. I think talent, his knowledge speaks for itself. Okay. I wouldn't really question that. My point was more of what we reference sometimes when we talk about coaches coming in, for example, to the HBCU. Do they really understand the culture of the oh, HBCU? Yeah. So I'm more referencing the fact that he's coming at U of H. The programs he's been at, a big time, some of the cream of the crop of what people would talk about in terms of uh, having college talent there. And, and, yeah, so they're going to be able to get talent. So there's one thing to have talent and coach it to do different things. There's another thing to get talent and also get some folks that people may not measure as talented and then get them to grow, grow. to be I, more talented in such a position at the end of the career that people are saying, man, there was a huge growth. And how do you also – recruit what other quote-unquote people miss how do you see the small thing one of the coaches that we talk about has done that pretty well um is art browse when he was at U of H. yep <laughs> you know he was able to see talent he put it in a schematic which was different enough to execute on that talent and he's continued to do that baylor not let's fool anybody no disrespect to those baylor folks out there but that's not necessarily a destination spot when kids are coming out. Now it is because of what he's able to put together. Right. So will Apple White be able to kind of create that same uh, magic, for lack of better words, in terms of getting done? That's more what I was talking okay. about in okay. regards no. to yeah. uh, Houston. I, I get what you're coming from now. I, I'll rephrase it then. From what I've seen of him, his activities and all, just here in the state of Texas, uh, without going, you know, further beyond the borders and all, I think it, that can happen. Because he can, he can recognize some things, tweak some things, and make it, and allow you to grow. Allow for your input, but also like, okay, let's take a look at it this way. And usually, down, at some point, it'll click, and growth begins to happen. At Rice, that's what happened. I mean. Who knew that uh, Chase Clements and, and, and Jared Dillard would become the, one of the top, you know, one-two programs in, in Division uh, One as far as a pitch-catch situation 
in, in less than one season. You know, you never saw that happening just because of the system that they came into, which was the, wish, uh, the wishbone under Coach Hatfield. And it's in one season, it all changed. Things opened up. They go to their first bowl game in basically my lifetime. You know, it, 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 uh, what was this second bowl game that they gone to in my lifetime? You, you fellas a little bit younger. Uh, y'all not quite 50, so. <laughs> And you know, and then can't and then say for, that I am. You know, and and and, and the, to wake up a sleeping giant, not uh, athletically, and have the alumni fired up to the point that forty thousand living alumni at that point in in time of Rice University got to see their teams go to another bowl game before they passed this world, and not this. It's it's attributed to that coaching staff during that time. Yes, the, the folks had some headache and all with the, with the coaching staff, but it got some things done. You know, it's, and right now I'm looking at uh, what Art and Kevin had done, has done here at U of H. It's, it's real awakening in some things. You know, you, you had a hiccup here, you got rid of the hiccup. Are you happy? Are you asking me? Yes. Are you? Are, are you, you got rid of the hiccup? Is that a are rhetorical you, question? Are you happy with the? If high? anyone has listened to these podcasts, <laughs> I'm asking you. No, my feelings on the initial hire when they hired a special teams coach who is now gone. Hell yes, I'm happy that he is gone. That Tom Herman is the head coach. Hell yes. Let me say it one more time. Hell yes. Now the hiccup is gone. Yes. Now with the that, being, in football business again. <laughs> with that being said. The words that came out of Coach Sampson's mouth today, I want that was the reason why I wanted that job. I wanted this job. Coach Herman said the same thing. I wanted this job. I wanted this job before. You people wouldn't hire me. You know, good, you have good time up. Hold on. No, no, hold on. No, no. Okay, go ahead now. Go no, ahead. Because you wanted I interrupted you a second ago. You wanted to talk about uh Yancey McKnight joining the U of A football yeah. staff. So talk about that as well before you get into basketball talk. All right. Yancey McKnight. Most guys, it's, most people don't realize how much he reawakened growth in a football team in less than in less than a, a month. And tell folks who he, what he does, what he's been hired to do. He's been hired to, uh, to be to become the uh, football. Uh, let me get to it here. Director of football, football sports performance. And trust me, five a.m. I hadn't heard that. Five uh, and conditioning. Before. I like that. But it's sports performance now. Five a.m. Yeah. folks. Five a.m. And I ran into a couple of the fellas and all, formerly of uh, uh, that uh, worked under his system, formerly at Rice, and they accredit a lot of things to that, especially to that success on the field, mentally and in the classroom, was to Yancey McKnight. And when Coach Herman got hired, or when he was, when it was, the word was said that he was coming, coming to, to U of H, the first thing out of their mouth was, I wonder if Yancey's going to be coming with him. They know what that means. These guys here, I don't know what's been going on over there. I don't know who was in charge. Admire, whoever was, I admire you, but fellas, 5 a.m. Kids tell me right now to this day, they still don't sleep past 5 a.m. no more. They're getting up in the morning, going, doing something, working out. But they are happy for the Cougars because now they got somebody that's going it, to. It's, it's, I reference it to the hiring of uh, Jackson. When when Jackson got hired over at U of H, 
the Cougars started finishing games. They weren't getting tired and all. They weren't wearing down. Teams weren't just pushing them over no more. Guys were getting things done. They were finishing. They looked like a totally different ball game. Ball team. And as I say, from then on, the Cougars were looking at championships. I think that's a good thing. And then, and in this conference, it's a lot winnable. Am I wrong, sir? Oh, football it, is still the act. And unfortunately, basketball this year is the act too. But, uh, <laughs> we're not going to get the basketball yet. You said that. No, no, no. We're transitioning into yeah. that basketball. Yeah, tie it all in to, to Coach Sampson now. But football, now we're going into divisions in the American Athletic Conference going forward. U of H and SMU will be in this same division. That division will be the better of the two divisions in the American Athletic Conference. And honestly, if you could talk to the conference people off the record, they are hoping and praying that something that happens. SMU and Houston become the bell cow of the conference because that's major market yep. city. And if they start winning, then the conference, for as long as U of H and SMU are in the conference, yep. it'll look good on a national landscape. If you've got a team in Houston or a team in Dallas kicking butt on a national focus, that's what they want. That's what Houston, U of H has failed to do since they were in the Conference USA on a consistent basis, is win conference championships, win bowl games, become nasty recognized in football. They had an awesome, awesome year when college game day was here and Case was, was uh, rock and roll and the team was that close. Well, no, no, not that close, but a win away from a, a big bowl, and they laid that big old fat ostrich size, no, Tyrannosaurus size egg versus Southern Miss to deny them a chance of playing in a major bowl. But since then, things have not been the same. But Sunday afternoon, after watching the Mule of H men's basketball team only score 44 points, in an 18-point loss to Memphis, head coach Kelvin Sampson said, and he made this comment. You can see it on Wildcat, and you can see it on, on my YouTube channel, Houston Round Ball Review, point blank. He said, in case some alums have forgot, U of H, we have not won an NCAA tournament game in 30 years. Folks, that's a long 30 time. 30 years. That's a long time. So we are trying, I'm trying to, be, Coach wow. Sampson said, we're. I'm building a foundation. I'm trying to build a culture a winning culture, a culture based on effort, hard work, People doing get, little things, getting things done on the floor. That's what he's trying to build. He's not worried about how things go this, this season. And any alums who expected a lot of success this season after losing your top two scorers in April. Are not paying attention. You're not paying attention. And you're fooling yourselves. This team was devoid of talent. When you when Tayshawn left and House left, you had... Jay Ross Siggers is your only scorer returning right. consistently. And then LJ Rose got hurt and got hurt twice. Nice. Yeah. And Chicken Nose is not ready yet. So there's a whole bunch of holes. So this season is going to be more bumps and bruises. Now, and I laugh at those folks who, who complained or cried or bitched about they lost to Pine Bluff. They lost to these, you know, schools that are supposedly beneath U of H. What did you expect this to happen this year when you lost all that, the talent you lost, and then you had other transfers, players left, you hired Coach Sampson, who was in the NBA for years, you assemble a staff, and you 
assemble JUCO players at the last minute, what do you expect was going to happen this year? I, That's so results like scoring forty-four points today versus Memphis are going to happen more this conference play, even though the conference is down. The Cougars don't have enough consistent offense to score points and shoot well. They damn sure don't have enough shooters to shoot well game in, game out in conference play. So it's going to be more losses like this as this season progresses. But Coach Sampson also said, we're going to get better. It's going to take multiple, multiple recruiting classes, but we will get better. But this year I'm establishing a foundation and a culture for us to build upon. And keep in mind, Wildcat, I do believe, the fall of this year, yep. what will be complete? The well, basketball facility, the development facility. I was package, told right? 11 months. And this was back, what, again, October when I got there? So, yes. Yeah, so, come August, September, that will be done, done. right? Apparently so. Chris, yeah. uh, they came from as the AD. much as you, you analyze basketball mm -hmm. over the years, and as much as you obviously follow your base program, with the facility coming on board, the coach, uh, background that the coach has, how long do you think it will take to literally change the culture into one that will put them in a position of, to be, if it can, be at the level of a UConn where you're back in the business of fighting for championships? I, are you counting level. this season? You counting this season? Yeah, counting this season. Four? Because took over. Four? Yeah. Four seasons. And with and with and I think so that's, that's, for recru that's for recruit recruiting classes. I'm not counting this. Well, recruiting classes, we got this one, and then three more. So yeah, I'll yeah, say four. Okay. And I wanted the listeners to know this as well. I think that's important. Trust too. trust mm -hmm. me when I and Wildcat. I told Wildcat after the game today, there were coaches, high school coaches, in Hall Fines, and there were young fellas in Hall Fines to watch a team that's not very good right now. But and that's you, not necessarily bad. But they, some no, people no, think because those coaches were there to talk to U of H staff. Right. Not only that, though, as young people, we know one of those things that young people like to do. A lot of them like to go to proven programs if they can go. Obviously, their ultimate goal is to be able to play at the next level. We know most of them won't play right. at the next level. But in that process, many of them want to play as soon as they can. I mean, they want to play as freshmen. Well, where is the best place where you can play as a freshman? Somewhere that... Unfortunately, it's not playing very well, which means the coach is more likely to give you a chance to get in that game because the players that he has are not getting it done. Say that again, Doc. Say that. Uh, repeat that again because folks think I be talking out my butt when I be telling people about that. Yeah. They just don't get it. If you if a program is down, it's not gonna be down for long. And if you rolling in uh, when all when the team is making that, not be down for I, long. I don't know about that. I think if you have a program, and I'll say this, and I know what you're saying. If you have key things, and we've heard this with professional teams, and you've heard it with college teams, because as much as people want to se separate the two, they're all fundamentally about business. Yep. Championship-level teams are won by championship-level organizations. True. Spurs. Say it again. New England. Championship teams. Are won by championship level organizations every year. So year in you're year. talking about a losing organization will continue to lose if they don't change the platform of that and, and organization. See, and that's, and that's, so that's what takes so long as you're talking Coach about, we'll talk about is today. that the organization has to come together. And that's why I asked the question with the facilities coming online. Because yes. some people think that you can just hire a great coach 
And if you don't have the facilities, you're still going to have trouble. This is one of the issues that I've tried to communicate with people uh, on this issue that we're talking about with the Miak Swag Bowl game. Yeah. And the fact oh. that a lot of Miak fans are saying that they want to play for national championships at the FCS level. I tell them the fact that you need an automatic bid to go to the playoffs tells me that you're really not serious about playing championship yeah. level you, ball. You're talking about the difference between competing and participating. Right there, there you automatic there bid you means you're participating. There a you lot are. of colleges, not just HBCUs, a lot of colleges will twist fans and get them excited because they're in the business of participating at the Division One mm-hmm. level versus being in competition, meaning that your entire organization is about having success. Now, I'm not saying success for every organization is about winning a national championship. Oftentimes, that is about where you fit in the schematic of Division One, based on what financial means you can bring to your organization. But it doesn't mean that you can't create a championship-level organization, meaning that you're fighting for conference championships, you're fighting in having winning records in non-conference play at the preseason, and meaning that you're fighting for conference tournament championships and making at least the multiple rounds within the national championship. That's an organizational issue. Exactly. And, and on the college level, those organizations, universities, you look at the elite programs, Alabama in football, you're looking at Duke and Kentucky in, in, in basketball, you're looking at UConn in men's and women's basketball. And that support now, it starts from the president on down. Correct. U of H has that support it, I would for even the president. It, I would even take it a step beyond that. The board and the president. Well said. And, yeah, because and that's the person this that, while, that, that, that takes those it, contracts and says, okay, we're going to figure this out and get this paid for. And that's because where if, the if board that, and the yeah. president at U of H haven't always been on the same page. True. And it looks like, it looks like, they're getting to be on that page because the Tom Herman hire and the staff he's putting together, I mean, Yancey McKnight being hired as the director of football sports performance. That's not a strength coach. That's more than that's a, a strength that's coach. That's why I say that's an interesting terminology. Not getting the chance to really make that. So, yeah. Knowledge. Strength coach is it, one thing. Strength and conditioning yeah. coach is one thing. Because you sports may, performance is actually the study. Yes. Yep. And somebody that understands somebody, somebody what it writing a paper means to get a journal really published. Create an environment again that students can participate that's, in terms of their best performance. That's mental and physical. Yes. And so college athletes can get that done at the highest level, both mentally, physically, and I would also add in a lot of ways psychologically yes. as well. And well and finally social. So it seems like the university and the board are showing a commitment in football, men's basketball. Baseball is already there because I do believe baseball team is picked to win the American. Yes. And actually, in some a couple of polls, they are, I mean, a couple of uh, uh, summaries, they're expected to get to Omaha. I mean, I mean yeah. I got to buy tickets. I'm going to buy tickets. Because of pitching. Which is what Coach Whitting said. They needed more than anything else to get straightened out before before they start looking at the other stuff. They needed to get a consistent pitching staff because it it has totally changed. It's not a hitter's game anymore like it used to be years ago. This college baseball has become pitchers again. 
and I think that is where it should be. Teams that will get in, go in and win, like Vanderbilt winning last year, pitching. It had all to do with pitching. And you know what? They're they coming out of the SEC. Absolutely. That, that's, a, that, that's a big uh, headache every week. Once again, Doc, like you said, they cannibalize each other. LSU has been consistent of going. Alabama is, is, is putting putting ass on. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Florida, Florida, they, they, Georgia. You know, teams are, are, are pounding. Auburn has been in a, on, a, on a regular basis. It, it just happens. And it I'm, just happens. I just went to your uh, oh, uh, site real quick. Go ahead. Uh, baseball, Fan Appreciation Day, and the alumni game will be Saturday, February 7th on campus. So uh, you can go online and get more information about that. I'm going to try to attend that if I can, based on the basketball schedule-wise. But, yeah, I'm going to buy tickets to uh, support my U of H baseball team. And I don't like baseball a hell of a lot. You but should. I, but I, I should. love my university. You should. Because yeah, they're going to look good this year. They're going to look good this year, kicking butt. So are you telling me, sir, that maybe the three of us should go to a baseball game? And- yep. <clears throat> yep. That wouldn't be worth doing. I would like. I could appreciate this. Yep. You definitely should. Pick the Cougs pick preseason number eight in the nation. There you go. In baseball. Like what I said. Some of the, you got their schedule? Any key line conference games? That oh, we- yeah. Let me, I looked that up, and let me look at the poll, too. So I'm see. I- they made that move this year. Like I said, pitching. They are spending some. And I don't want to beat a, a dead horse. Yes, you do. But. Yes, you do. Who was responsible for hiring Coach Whitting? It wasn't this. Uh, Thank this, you. The, the going? It down okay. Right now. <laughs> it was not the administration right now. All right. <laughs> From what I was told, because I, I did ask that question. Mm-hmm. I did ask that question. I did ask that question. But I now I'm going to say this uh, for you baseball, college baseball fans. I want to know what's going on. Because I have yet to walk by anybody's campus and not hear somebody in the bat in the batting cage. Day or night, when the sun is out, I and this is the first year this has happened. It's been silent. It's been crickets. I'm gonna say this right now because I'm gonna. That's gonna be when I get my first opportunity to talk to one of the coaches around here. That's the first thing I'm gonna ask. And if they tell me the guy's been out, I'm gonna say, Coach, I ain't heard nothing. And and y'all know I'm out at everybody's camp. That's a good question. I mean, I had heard know, a where, 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 Yeah, where do they practice? I mean, they, right uh, now, indoors. Or? Yeah, they they can be in this, indoors. U of H has an indoor uh, batting cage. I know that they do, but uh, I guess that's what they're doing. I right, hadn't Doc, heard here we, a ping. Here we go, Doc. I hadn't heard a ping. I hadn't heard a ping. Got a three-game series versus Minnesota. Then one game against TSU on the seventeenth, followed by a three-game set against. Alabama, and these are all at Cougar Field. How about the uh, Minute Maid Park there? I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Then they go on the road for one against Texas State. Four-game set back at Cougar Field versus Columbia. One versus Houston Baptist. Then the uh, Houston College Classic versus LSU on March 6th versus the Aggies on March 7th. Then versus Hawaii on March 8th. They play Rice on March 17th, Cougar Field. And let's see, I think they're only playing Rice again three times, maybe yeah. Wildcats. Yeah. Then next time will be at Rice on April 14th at Reckling. And then at, oh, going to play on the Skeeters Field on May 12th. Yeah, that's a big game. So it would be uh, three, three games, three individual games versus Rice. So, yes. 
I am pl- planning to uh, do that, buy some tickets. So yeah, Doc, if you want to go see him play? Yeah, definitely, I'll join. We'll, we'll do that. Spend a few dollars and watch Wildcat work with his with his press pass and record the game and post the videos on, ah, his, on his blog. Here we go. While me and Doc are getting some sun and drinking a beverage. And trust me, they, they do that. Y'all will fit right in. Y'all will fit right in. Y'all will fit right in. Here we go. Uh, Rice opens up uh, with a four-game series against Texas on the 13th of next month, Reckling Park. And they play HBU. Is that, is that weekend series? Uh, it's a weekend series. Friday, two, double hit on a Saturday, then a Sunday, 1, 1 p.m. Uh, turnaround. What day is that? That is the uh, 13th, the 14th. A double hitter. I hadn't seen a double hitter in, in, in college baseball other, in a regular season in a long time. But so is that a, is that a four game series? Yes, sir. Three, four. Damn. Okay. That's, so. Then they come down. They they hit the road after uh, for the against a uh, three game series against Arizona, uh, and then they come in for uh, a one two three five games. One against the first one against Stephen F. Austin midweek. Then they got uh, a four-game series against Stanford, also a weekend, uh, weekender, with a doubleheader on the 28th of February. And then they're on the road uh, to TCU. Then they start conference play. Uh, Charlotte, uh, they got a midweek against Lamar, a midweek against uh, Texas State. Uh, and then they got uh, at home, no, and and then they, uh, at home series with uh La Tech, three-game weekend series, and then going back to U of H uh, on the uh, March the 17th, Cougar Field. Then they're on the road to Old Dominion, and they come home for a midweek against Sam Houston State, and then turn right around the next day. Uh, that'll be a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday against Sam Houston State in Huntsville. And then they've got a home series against Southern Miss, then they had Lamar midweek at home against Middle, uh, Middle Tennessee, three games on the road to A&M. Then they're back home for UAB. No, they're at, uh, on the road at UAB, back home for U of H, at home for UTSA. Say, man, I didn't go through the Cougars' entire schedule. Well, okay, you really you're going, you're going, you know, hey, it's rice, man. I, I, All you had to do is tell them to leave. Exactly, you know, exactly. It's right, damn schedule. You know, I'm thinking about the hoodie who right now, yeah. Clearly, clearly, you know. I wonder how long he was going to go. I mean, damn, man. You know, just touch on the local matchups, and that's about it. Okay. But like I said, they opened up on the on the 13th. All right, yeah. See, I'm going back to you. You base being ranked. Number eight by the Collegiate Baseball Newspaper. Just a couple of things here that I'm, I'm reading on the release. Uh, Vanderbilt's number one, defending champ. TCU two, Virginia three, followed by LSU, Oklahoma State, Florida, and Texas. So I think the Longhorns are ranked seventh, then the Cougars are eighth. But U of H is the only American Athletic Conference team among the top 40 and is one of five programs ranked in the state of Texas. So... There we go there. Talk about the Rockets real quick, gentlemen. Is that working There's out? some NBA with the, with the, stuff. Well, stuff. before we get into the Rockets, the profession, you know we have to talk a little bit about the HBCUs with the big game. Oh, yeah. on the hill. What? Prairie Doc, View. 
Doc, what Texas happened? Southern. Did you get a chance to go? Yeah, Texas Southern got it done. Uh, no, I'm talking on about the men's side. On okay, the women's side, okay. women got it done. It was a close game. Uh, you have the heart of a champion is the best way I can point it out. And you just have a rivalry game where it was close, went back and forth. Um, just big plays made yeah, pick, at the end. Lady Panthers picked up their first swag win, beating the yeah. uh, Lady Tigers mm-hmm. Saturday yeah. night. Texas Southern remains undefeated while Prairie View's men team his remains winless. Is Coach Grimm in trouble? Yeah, I, I would be surprised if he can uh, find his way out of this hole. I think mm-hmm. the only thing that save him is similar what put him in the position to get the one-year extension he got for this season, which is not only making it to the championship game, but obviously winning the championship game. I think that would save him. For me, I wouldn't necessarily think that would be enough to do it. But I think that's where it is. And, of course, Fans are the SWAC championship will be played in hell where? Right here in Houston. March 10th. Toyota Center. March 10th. It'll be a big March time 10th. weekend. Southern, uh, unfortunately for them, they got the news that the NCAA is still uh, <laughs> keeping them on D- indefinite. Doc. Come on now. Triple I mean, ban suspension. But will <laughs> all 10 teams still participate? Yeah, yeah uh, what's going on with that? Will all 10 teams participate again? They hadn't made that announcement. Remember last year, everybody is probably assuming that it will happen. But last year, the NC, the presidents of the SWAC actually had to write a letter to the NCA to get that approved. Uh, could they do that format and not lose their championship bid uh, if a team won the championship and was not? Eligible goal yeah. such that they could give it to the next highest eligible team. The NCAA said yes, but they also, in the note that they said that, that this was basically a one-year okay. reprieve from it and that they would need to find out something they could do. Because I'm getting those, so those questions So unless they could get now. another yeah. extension, uh, I'm not sure about that. A lot of people probably have forgotten that. I definitely hadn't heard any word, so we probably won't hear it come up again until, until the, the end of the season when it becomes – uh, much more clear because obviously not putting out yet. That's if they have gotten any update themselves. I, I'm not even privy to that. But that's a huge issue. Two other big time programs um, matchup rivalry matchups were played this week, which was Grambling and Southern. Uh, Southern women lost um, Doc, to that, Grambling. That's something that's, that that's early now. That's, 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 that's early. No, they'll c- continue to play. They lost a close game, but that's something that has happened. The last four or five years, even well, they've lost the, women you know, have went down to Grambling and lost uh, a game there. Now I'm talking and, about the, the losing, get, get very two, good. two losses early. You know, they they lost the TSU. I can't remember the last time that they came in a game uh, one and two, but I wouldn't be surprised because, like I said, they've lost the Grambling. But the way you have to remember that the schedule flipped. So other years, oftentimes, uh, that means Southerners play on the road and they play here, and then they have Grambling at home. Uh-huh. So they usually beat Grambling at home. So even if they would have lost one of the split, uh-huh. which I know they have, split between Texas Southern and Prairie View when they play on the road, Rope, the games right. are here. Right. I can't recall when they lost to Grambling at home. Usually they lost to okay. Grambling okay. have been on the road. Okay. So that's something that can happen every two years. So this may be one of the first years in a while that, yes, Southern starts out one or two. I'd have to dig a little bit in my – Chess to make sure I look at the rule books, so don't quote me on that. But off the top of my head, I would agree with you. The other matchup was Alcorn Jackson. Uh, for the men, let me finish with that. Go ahead. Uh, Southern's men won for the, uh, two and one, uh, right behind Texas Southern at three and zero undefeated in the conference. You also had the Jackson Alcorn matchup. Looks like Alcorn State may be a little better than we thought. 
Uh, they beat Jackson State, a team that people thought would at least be at the top part of the conference. So Auckland comes in now at 2-1, and one, surprising a lot of people after defeating Prairie View and uh, winning at Jackson. And Jackson is 1-2, and two, so that's a thing for them. Uh, Alabama State had a big win as they traveled to Pine Bluff. Tough match up there. They held them off, got it done. While Alabama A&M got a win against Valley. So that's kind of where you're seeing with the standings there. The other game that uh, it, when you travel to the MEAC, had two undefeated teams coming into the game, at least conference-wise, obviously. South Carolina State was 2-0 with North Carolina Central, 2-0. They showed why Central is going to be in the running for another championship. They went 3-0 and really pounded on South Carolina State to get it done. Norfolk State also proved 3-0 as they continue to win. Um, Hampton is getting it done as they're 3-0 in conference races. They continue to get it done, uh, leaving some teams such as Howard, South Carolina, at two on one. Another team that you want to keep your eyes over there in terms of the MEAC is Maryland Eastern Shore, one and one. But they've had some big non conference wins, so it'll be interesting to kind of see what they do in conference play. That's a team that is not necessarily one of the biggest brands uh-huh. in the MEAC that uh, you may not be uh, familiar with in terms of what they can do. But it looks like this year they should be in the business of basketball. So big matchups Monday night uh, as people watch the championship, some basketball be played. Uh, let you know how that goes uh, when we podcast again next week in regards to what's going on. Uh, also, a bit of sad news. Uh, the athletic director at FAMU Townsend passed away. Oh. Um, sadly, he was 70, so he's had a lot of life yeah. there. Obviously, we'd like to see him have he, a lot more. He saw more. a lot of things. Probably, probably implemented some plans and all that. Uh, oh, yeah. He's been stealing. athletic director at several places, Delaware State to name one of them. Getting some things done, but uh, what was intrigued about that, I was trying to make sure I used the right word okay. in terms of his death, is the day before he literally met with FAMU Booster Group and was telling them about, as I kind of talked about a little earlier, about the MEAC SWAT uh-huh. bowl game that it looks like it's going to be moving forward. And he talked about the fact that the MEAC presidents had indeed voted for it. That was a lot of questions. Last week we talked about Curry, the athletic director of Morgan State, going on Carlos Brown's radio show and talking about yeah, okay. it. He verified that. He also added a little more information out there saying uh, that the SWAC presidents have not voted on it yet. And so that was one thing that's interesting. And, you, and it takes two. Well, I think the SWAC presidents are pretty much going to rubber stamp it. I'd be very surprised if they don't. Rudley came out early and said they pretty much were. Moving forward, with it. I think the SWAC presidents just wanted to make sure that the MEAC presidents were on board before they actually put anything out there because last time they put it out first and the MEAC went in a different direction. So I don't think they want to be the ones saying, gotcha. hey, we're pushing for this. They'll, yeah. they'll wait their time knowing that they have a bird in the hand it's, it's to speak- do it. So those are the kind of big issues that are on the platform with HBCUs right now. Speaking of uh, uh, AD, um, Delaware State. I know why he was there. You know, still looking for a football coach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, but folks, that's not funny because it's a recruiting period. It's right around the corner. Yeah. Well, it's dead period now. But, uh, but, I mean, but, but you, you need to get him in as soon as possible yeah. put something together. together right. Yeah. Uh, but, but getting over to Delaware State, I know why he was there. They were uh, uh, – the program was relevant. What happened? Right. Right. What did – all of a sudden now, I mean, Delaware State, as a at, at athletically wise, is not a viable 
especially the men's and women's basketball. It I think has, Delaware is a very intriguing. Delaware State, I, I know I it, say, it's I, a very it, intriguing. It's, out of, right it's an out of the way place. Because one but, of the things is not only being out of work, out of the place, but they actually spend one of the highest budgets in HBCU athletics. Really? And I guess that's necessary because they have to travel so far to most places and to get quality people in there. I think what you're finding out is a lot of your schools that are in urban, I mean, uh, rural areas, uh-huh. and historically they were in rural areas during segregation time right. so they could stay as far as away from European Americans because of the fear of attacks and I understand, I understand. buildings uh, now has become a hurdle uh, in regards to that because a lot of people want to be in urban places. Right. So Delaware State is one of those same similar things. You have a state that is small in population, which means that you're going to have to recruit um, outside of the state. Right. In their case, they would need to recruit to be competitive out of New York, New Jersey area, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to be limited in terms of your quality there. In basketball, you probably can be solid. Some baseball. But football... Uh, you're really starting to get small chunks, so you would have to even go down to Florida. Well, that can get expensive, and it's just hard to maintain a championship level at a program of that ilk. What you see go on at the major division levels that we talked about earlier yeah. with programs like Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, getting the cream of the crop, and even though they may fall down, usually cyclically they find a way to rise back to the top. You see that the same thing in most cases with even HBCUs. You have the more... Branded programs, Grambling, Southern, mm-hmm. Tennessee State, uh, FAMU, it'll be interesting to see if they stay down because you would think as a brand that they shouldn't stay down long. But A&T, uh, Howard, another program has kind of stayed down, but that's been kind of of their own reconstruction mm-hmm. right. from the standpoint that they don't necessarily uh, take athletics um, as or deem it as important as other right. things. Uh, and that's been a historical thing. You can go back to 1936 right. where you had Howard presidents trying to de-emphasize the importance of athletics on the campus. So it's always been a hurdle uh, between different administrative people at Howard, not to mention that they had some other things financially had to deal with. And you got to remember, this is all on the fact that HBCUs, people like to gloss over this, um, that they have had a deprivation of resources. That's from state Right. Oh, federal yes, legislation. Yes, yes. And that's also yes. from the NCA. I see what the NCA has done in terms of hoarding all the money and creating strategic platforms where some schools get the majority of money. That's a deprivation of issue. Uh, whether they're able to do it legally or not is another question, but the fact that it's done, there's no question. Uh, it's a deprivation of issue. So those are issues that follow. HBCUs, a fan of them, wave the flag all the time, and other, some other folks just don't give a damn. To be frank about it. <laughs> let me talk basketball, and we're going to wrap it up and let everybody know who, how they can find us and get in touch with us. Talk about the Rockets. They're on a three-game winning streak after the really uh, poor six minutes Monday in Chicago versus the Bulls, and they lost 114-105. Yeah, solid game until the six minutes. The and they, they really – Who have they beat? They didn't get the ball Other than last night. to who did, who did White Howard um, down the stretch, you know – they only went to the foul line, I think, four times, and the Bulls went 30-plus attempts. So the free throw disparity was, was very, very wide in that game because that was kind of interesting, especially considering James Harden is, if not the top, one of the top uh, NBA players to get to the foul line about 9 10 times per – not 10 attempts, 9 to 10 attempts per game. He only 
I don't think he went to the line at all. Maybe twice, two free throws against the Bulls. So that was kind of interesting. They bounced back Wednesday with a 12-point win over the Cavaliers, the LeBronless Cavaliers. But the, despite Kyrie Irving, I think Kyrie scored 38 points. Then they plastered the woeful, awful New York Knicks by 24 points. And wow. Knicks are so bad. Phil Jackson admitted Saturday to the fans. He fell on the sword. That, yep, he fell on the sword. Fault. So Big Chief Triangle admitted that he is responsible for the lack of talent on the uh, current roster for the Knicks. And Saturday, uh, Saturday night, the Rockets played in spurts, as Coach McHale said after the game, but they did enough to beat the Jazz by 15 points. James Harden, uh, once a big lead was cut to nine, hit back-to-back three-pointers to push up to 15, helped the Rockets win by 15 points. Harden scored 30 points in the game. Uh, Coach McHale said afterwards that um, the reason we're 26-11 and 11 is because uh, because of James Harden. James Harden has played really, really well, and he's the reason why we are 26-11. and 11. That's the bottom line. I agree with that. So uh, Monday they, they go play Brooklyn. Brooklyn should he is, be in the MVP conversation? Oh, he, he, it's early. Without a doubt, he should okay. be in the MVP conversation. He's Steph Curry, uh, Anthony Davis, definitely. And depending on how you want to term it, you know, most valuable, best player, whatever. You saw LeBron in there as well. You see how the Cavs are struggling without LeBron. So, you know, also. <laughs> and I don't want to gloss over this fact with the trade, with the waving acquisition of Josh Smith. You know, the Pistons are 7-1 without Josh Smith. Excuse me, 8-1 without Josh Smith. They had won seven in a row, then lost to the Hawks Friday and came back Saturday night and, and beat Brooklyn. Brooklyn lost five in a row. Five or six in a row now. Points of a game against the Rockets on Monday. Not all, all of that is not because Josh Smith is no longer a Piston. Other reasons are, other factors are responsible for the Pistons winning ways now. Josh Smith being gone, just one of them. Uh, Josh Smith, ironically, is now coming off the bench for the Rockets. One of the reasons made public that uh, he chose the Rockets was because the Rockets promised him a starting position. I think that was some folks kind of speaking out of turn. I think a, big, the way I looked at you, a big reason Josh chose Rockets was because of his friendship with Dwight Howard. I think that's the biggest reason because it, soon after he scored 21 points in his debut for the Rockets in a road win against Memphis, he struggled. He struggled making shots in the starting rotation, starting lineup. And then Coach McKill, the staff, and Josh realized that being off the bench would be probably a better fit. And that's where he's been the last few games, and they've won games with him, and he's played better. He's still not a great outside shooter, and he may never become a great outside shooter. It just irks me when he decides to take long shots that he can't make, especially from the one out high. Corner threes are okay because it's a shorter distance. But you can see him. He's more effective in transition. He's more He has a, had a great block last night of the game against Utah. Slapped the ball against the backboard. You can see something that he does well. If he just sticks to those things he does well, he can be a, a benefit to the Rockets on defense and in certain half-court sets. Donatus Eunice is a better starter. He's more comfortable starting, starting. He's more effective starting. I think he plays with more confidence as a starter, which helps the Rockets. Rockets still playing without Terrence Jones. Terrence Jones... Well, at least he's, he's now with the team again. He's in a suit last night. So he's, he's getting closer to returning. Maybe some point in February when, he, when he's able to uh, 
return to the, to the court. So there are signs there that the Rockets are getting better. You're looking at uh, Memphis is, in, I think, in the process of acquiring um, Mr. Green, whose name I can't think of right now, Jeff Green for the, from the Celtics in a three-team deal involving the Pelicans and Memphis, which ultimately will send Arthur Rivers to the Celtics, but Arthur Rivers may end up going from Boston to the Clippers to play for his dad. So that will be interesting to see how that all plays out. So the Western Conference teams are making moves. You got Mavs picked up Rondo. Rockets got Josh Smith. Memphis getting Jeff Green. So what are Spurs doing? It's an arms race. Spurs trying to get healthy. That's what they're trying to do. Okay. All right. And, I mean, that first things first. They're trying to get healthy. You know, their loss to the Pistons on Tuesday, when they brick free throws down the stretch, were up by one with ten seconds left. Had the ball, inbound play, turned the ball over, and then watched Brandon Jennings dribble up the floor to score a layup at at the buzzer to, to lose unspurs like so the spurs unspurs like so as i mean and they've had problems inbound the ball down the stretch this season the spurs announcers have said so they even kind of pred- predicted it because they said before manu inbounded the pass to i think patty mill sean elliott the uh color an analyst for the spurs said now we've struggled inbounding the ball this season and sure enough there you go patty mills form of the ball and the Pistons went down the floor and, and, and scored a game-winning bucket. So the Spurs, are, are they're just not playing. Plus, Kawhi Leonard is still out. And that's a big factor in their struggles right now. But uh, the Spurs are struggling. The Mavs are struggling against playoff teams in the West. I think they don't have one win against teams that are right now top eight in the West. So that's a problem. Because if you want to get far in the playoffs, you got to beat teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a problem. So... I have to agree with that. NBA basketball is getting here. We got the uh, trade deadline is a few weeks away. The All-Star break will be a week now. That's coming up. James Harden is uh, third in the uh, backcourt All-Star voting behind Steph Curry and Kobe Bryant. So we'll see if Rocket fans can stuff the ballot and and get the beard in the starting lineup. (laughs) Or Kobe's fans will be able to hold off beard and keep Kobe. It's a popularity contest because, you know, performance-wise this season, James Harden had a much, 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 much better season than Kobe had, has had this year. But the All-Star game is not about that. All-Star starters are not about that. It's about who the fans want to see. Yep, that's true. Gentlemen, um, Wildcat, Yep. who are you? How can folks find you? All right. Before I let folks know, you know, who I am and what I do and where you can find me at, yesterday was crowned the first uh, – uh, champion of the season in football, Division One FCS. That's the next division below the uh, mean with bowl that, series. But that real playoff? A real playoff. Like the automatic bids and, so, so it, and the so BAC, it, it is you know, possible then, right? It is possible. North Dakota State wins. Without the playing the college athlete. So, well, you know, <laughs> some folks say. <laughs> Don. So, These are guys looking for a second, third, and fourth chance. You know, they, well, they, they, I mean, they, at that level, I, I'm not saying they should play it. I was joking with you. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. get you ready And sure. although he agrees with me, you know, it's care- I'm careful about champion uh, first to playoff. Yeah. Obviously, I'm one who's going to enjoy it. I'm not going to say that I'm not a fan of watching 
football or any sport. And at event. some point, but the point I was making, oh yeah, was I, the I, fact I, that um, I I get you. I'm not going to celebrate these guys playing more games, right? At and the expense, expense of, of generating yeah. more money that they're not going to get at the FCS level. Obviously, they're not mm-hmm. generating that type no, of money, so no. I'm not suggesting they should get paid. And the championship is held at Frisco State, uh, Texas. Uh, I can't remember the name of the stadium, but folks, that already tells you where uh, it's, what, what it's what's like been Pizza done. Hut, something like that. Yeah, it's a soccer it's a, stadium. It's Frisco's. It's the home of the Dallas. Uh, Dallas Football Club is what is what they're yeah. called. Yeah. Um, it's North Dakota State Dallas wins it. Uh, I think it's their soccer. third straight. Uh, they beat Illinois State 29-27. The Bison. Uh, he scored. I watched the end of the game. They scored a touchdown. With less than two minutes to go, the last of the when you when you've been a champion, as, <laughs> you've been a champion. Rockets, fans would love to hear around here. You know, never doubt the heart of a champion. That, that's true. So and they got, they it, got done. it done. They got four it done. Straight championships, first time at the FCS level that yep. any team has ever won four in a row. Uh, kudos <clears> to them, and to give them even more accolades is the fact they did this with the first year coach, right? Defensive coordinator it, stepped up and got the job after. The previous coach uh, took the Wyoming job. Yep, yes. And along with that is the fact that they had lost 20 seniors. So this was both teams actually in that case were a young team. Ben, they got it done. But for a team to win a championship after losing that's 20 a real players system. and a, that's, that's a, that's a and real head system. coach lets you know that, again, it's emblematic of what we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. This is not just a program. This is a championship university in regards to obviously what most universities do academically. Yep but often off as well as what they do athletically. And, folks, we're talking about the Dakotas. There are not a lot of athletes in the Dakotas. Uh, and also, Mr. Hootie Hoot, um, Luke Wilson went four, had four receptions, 68 yards, and one touchdown from young Russell Wilson. The young man is making a name for himself as a Seahawks quarterback. He's making Pete Carroll look real smart in the NFL this time around. How can folks find you, sir? Now, you can find me online across the vernacular, across the spectrum in the viral world, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, uh, at J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., Jerry L. Woodley Jr. Um, you can find me on YouTube and Blogger, AKSV slash The CSR, the College Sports Report. Um, I will have my eight-minute uh, interview uh, post-game from Coach Sampson. It was interesting. I know we were on the time clock today, uh, but uh, it was good. It was good. You know, there's one thing I had to give Coach Sampson a lot of credit for. He's he's put it blunt, straightforward, to the point. You know, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. But this is what I'm looking to build. And, folks, we only a couple of games in. Conference play is just starting. This is we we hadn't got to where nearly about where I think we should be. And take him at his word. Trust me. Being a thirty-six to thirty-one, I think there was rebounding situation today. I think it was only about five rebounds difference in between uh, Memphis and and, uh, and uh, U of H. I I hadn't seen the last the uh, final book, but that to me was their best output effort against being undersized as they are. There's a lot of length on Memphis. Their record doesn't, doesn't say it, but folks, U of H is playing hard. 
And like Coach Sampson says, effort is everything. Bust your butt in practice, you get your shot going again. Doc? Yes, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can find me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook, which I'm about to put something out there in regards to a picture of Harry Edwards signing the book that I talked about, showed y'all before. Be proud of that, Doc. Be proud of that. I'm pretty excited about that. But you can also email me directly at kcaville at thg-agency.com. Also join me on Tuesdays uh, with my team uh, from 7 to 8 at kcwhradio.com. If you want to listen to it online, you can tune in directly if you're in this area. That's k2hradio.com at 12.30 a.m. For Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Ryan McGinty, Mike Washington, and Charles Bishop. For an hour long of facts, figures, and information on HBCU sports, the hot topics, as well as interviews going on with individuals involved with HBCUs uh, during the week. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. We have our podcasts are available on iTunes and SoundCloud. We have a Facebook page, the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Facebook page that you can check out and interact with us that way. I'm also at Twitter. Handle is T-H-E-H-R Review. T-H-E-H-R Review. Wildcat, real quick, the rebound total based on this box score was 35-31. Memphis. I liked it. So the effort was there. This didn't make any shots. But getting back, rounded up to summarize, we're talking about uh, building a culture. Uh, Coach Sampson talks about building a culture, building a winning environment, a foundation, establishing a foundation. It also extends to the alums. Yep. You need to, if you got the money to support the university. Bring it on. Bring it on. Write the check. Put your butts in the seats at the football games, at the baseball games, at basketball games. We're part of the university as well. If you want your race to be successful, you have to show your support as well. So it's not just the board and the president and the administration and the coaches. You have to do your part also. We keep talking about we want to be a big-time university and be a part of this, that, and the other. Well, we need to do our, do our part as well. Fellas, thank you very much, as always, for uh, your insight. Oh, give me a score, Oregon-Ohio State Wildcat. Oh, oh okay. I can do that. Uh, man, I got, I got to be – no, I don't have to be too wild about it. I can just say it. Um, I'm looking for an over, almost um, 75 points between the two teams. So I'm looking at um, 45 to 37. Favor of? Oregon. Doc? I think that's pretty good that it's going to be high. I agree with you. So I'm going to go 42, 38. Favor of? The, as they would say, the Ohio State University. Really? And, Are they the Ohio State University? And since. Yeah, he was saying that they made sure that it was loud <laughs> here during this past conference. And <laughs> since <laughs> Coach Tom Herman is is still on staff at the Ohio State University. They've already got his replacement. I'm they're, going they're, to uh, in, in, go in with the Buckeyes. You know, but you move with, they move and, with fans. And, and pick uh, the Ohio State 
to win the championship. And I'll say 35-31. That's low, man. That's okay. Literally. I think I it may surprise some folks. It, it may be not because Doc and I watched the uh, – they can do some uh, ground uh, and pound and, and, and run the ball, you know, enough, <laughs> that'd be a key. But. Doc, what was the final score? Was it, 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 with field goals, it was, it was field goals all that game between Alabama and, and – uh, <laughs> Man, the first. It was, oh, it was 12, we was dying. We was dying. Before they finally scored a late touchdown to make it 19. We was dying. Last last thing. Final score. Women's college basketball. Today? Today. UConn. 87-28. UConn over Southern Have Methodist. Mercy. I'm, uh, say a that again. game in say the that. act. Say it again. Connecticut, 87. Southern Methodist, 28. It was forty-five to nine at halftime, folks. It was sixty-seven. The train, the train is like rolling. Sixty-seven to nine in the second half. The Mustangs had to go on a run at the end of the game. I think nine to two to get to twenty-eight. While the rest of the competitive conferences in women's college basketball, the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, you see upsets, teams, ranked teams, losing on the road. That ain't going to happen in the American. I'm sorry, it ain't going to happen. The locomotive is in high gear. There is only one possibility of a game being within 20 points in conference play. I hope I'm wrong. I hope USF brings it in their matchups and they with stay UConn. Healthy. They've got to stay healthy for that to happen. But other than that, Tulane, Temple, UCF, Cincinnati, East Carolina, U of H, y'all are just wasting 40 minutes of time on the digital network, games being on TV, whatever. UConn is going to relax Work on some things. Get ready for the NCAA tournament. But get ready for a big, big matchup I'm looking forward to as I wrap it up here. February 9th. That should be a Monday. They will host number one, South Carolina, 7 p.m., ESPN2. That will be the last tough matchup for UConn until a tournament, the NCAA tournament starts. And folks, I, I, before you close out, as you say, and I have to bring this up, Chris, as much as I appreciate you asking how I felt, and most Cowboys fans would like to sit back, I guess, for those loud Cowboy fans to beat up on Do that, do that, do that. It is ugly on the internet right I'm now. I'm sure it is. <laughs> There's one here where somebody posted, and this was with William Luce, a friend of mine, he said, when he quote, y'all ain't right. But there's a picture for those that remember the new edition. And they had the song, Telephone Man. They have the picture of that. And, you know, people put insert the words. Now, Mr. Telephone Man, there's something wrong with my line. Because when I call a Cowboys fan, I get a kick every time. <laughs> that ain't right. Touche. Touche. I like it's how not we, right. that's a good way to end the podcast right there. Uh, uh, I got to say one thing. person just uh, sent me a message, and I'm saying this because you're getting ready to go on vacation, but, hey, program folks got to get better. Both teams went down to, to uh, uh, southeastern Louisiana and got smacked around. Uh, HBU Huskies, y'all got to come back, got to get some wins in. They went to Hammond, Louisiana and made a – Rough, a quick trip down there, and uh, 
a long trip back, Doc. You've been down there before. That that ain't a good drive. That ain't a, not a good drive. And right now the women are 0 and 4, uh, 6 9 at conference, and they are the fellas are, uh, if I'm not mistaken, oh well, 1 and 2. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, 1 and 2 in the, in the conference. You got to get some things done, fellas. Got to get turned. Got to get turned around. In the Southland, everybody didn't go to the conference tournament. So you got to you got to make a move. They've had they've had some close ones, but last night wasn't it. And we'll get into more uh, conference Local, basketball uh, in future podcasts. But you had talk football with the, with the college football yeah, playoff yeah. coming up and things like that. But don't worry, local teams. Be yeah, we grateful. Still be grateful that we're letting y'all slide by with the losses y'all putting forth on the floor right now. HBU, U of H, Rice, Texas women, women, Fairview men. Hey, because well, overall conference wise, I think there's only one Houston area team that has a winning record in conference play. That's Coach Mike Davis at TSU. That's it. Uh, Correct. And, and I got to I got to check. I'm in the process of waiting for this for the to come up. Uh, St. Thomas. TSU women are two and one. Two and one. Thank you. Well, TSU. There you go. There you, swag. Correct. Two, the swag. The baby. winning teams in conference play are at Texas Southern University. Period. Men's and women. And that's it. So local area schools, your time is coming. We haven't got about you. Yeah. Just accept this pass right now. Coach Smith. <laughs> Because I'll be coming Tom for you. Tom Smith, I'm coming back. About you. Keep, keep, I'm coming back. Keep putting forth these losing efforts. I'm coming for you. I'm Don't coming worry. back. So, I'm going to wrap it up. Yep, because you lost again last do. night. Women's basketball. As I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.